So it appears if um, during infection the Ebola virus will seek and go and hide inside in places that are not reachable. You know, it caused divorce between families, survivors' families around the country. So we have actually two Ebola outbreaks occurring concurrently in two different countries. Both of them are relatively small outbreaks and are centered on a few health districts, but both of them are certainly of serious concern to us. Hello and welcome back to Africa Science Focus, a side of net production. I'm Sally Amutabi. The Ebola virus causes a serious disease that leads to death in about half of all cases. The virus is passed from person to person through body fluids. In the past few years, scientists have been trying to understand what role sex could play in transmission of the virus. With new Ebola outbreaks in Guinea and the Democratic Republic of Congo, Africa Science Focus investigates whether the Ebola virus can be sexually transmitted. Dr. Margaret Harris of the World Health Organization speaks to our reporter Charles Pensolo. Right. So there has been reports that Ebola can be sexually transmitted. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, certainly. We know that Ebola persists in um, various sites in the human body after you recover. Now, one of the sites that it favours is the testicles in males because that's what we call an immune reservoir. That's a place that can hide from the immune system because as it's a site for producing cells for reproduction, you want your semen cells to be protected from your own immune system so that your immune system doesn't attack your semen. Now, in most people, it doesn't persist for very long, but in some individuals, it can. However, of you know many, many thousands of people who've been infected with Ebola, we've only had um, just a handful of documented cases of sexual transmission. So that means, yes, it can happen, but it's a very rare event. Research so far suggests that Ebola virus can remain in the reproductive systems of male survivors for up to three years. Dr. Harris says the international health community is working to control the current outbreaks and provide support to patients. Certainly individuals who've had Ebola, and this is men and women, um, because they do have persistence of the virus, not simply in their sexual, sexual reproductive system, but in other parts like in the eyes, need to be followed up and given good medical care, not simply because we're, we're concerned necessarily about transmission, but because they have recovered from a disease which has left them with ongoing medical issues and often quite a lot of psychological issues and other social issues that need to be, for which they need to be given a lot of support. 
Right. So talking about uh, medical services, do you have programs uh, in which you work with the survivors of uh, the violence? Yeah. Uh, yes, indeed we do. And it's not simply WHO. This is also work that's done by UNICEF. There's a lot of psychosocial work. But Overall, these are run by the national health authorities. So wherever there have been Ebola outbreaks, these programs have been set up and they are run primarily by local people. Ebola is a very um, important disease to to understand and to follow, but it's also very important not to see um, somebody who's had Ebola or been involved with Ebola as in any way a threat. And it is very, very important that these programs continue, that they become very much a part of the normal care of uh, uh, around Ebola. So it's not just something that happens during an outbreak, but continues between outbreaks. Because we know once you have Ebola in your area, you will have further outbreaks. As Dr. Harris mentioned, there are only a handful of recorded cases of sexual transmission of Ebola, but more research is needed. Jie Kang Bai has been studying the Ebola virus for almost a decade. In a new study, he will look at the reproductive and other health issues that many survivors face even after they've recovered. And um, the most interesting part of this of our observation was that People who still carry Ebola virus within their system, they are asymptomatic. That is, they don't show any sign of the infection. So even after they have been cleared, even after they have been declared to be non-infected, as a result of um, diagnosis using PCR, which goes for basically testing for the presence of the virus within the bloodstream or antibodies of the virus within the bloodstream, Yet still, these people tend to carry the Ebola virus within their semen, and this can linger up for a very, very long time. And we also observe during literature search that sexual transmission of Ebola virus is possible even 18 months after somebody has become infected and has, and has recovered. So it is worrying, and these all have implications for containment and public health. We have also aware that female can transmit Ebola virus to men sexually. So we are recruiting more than 1,000 Ebola survivors in Sierra Leone who were infected in the past Ebola outbreak in West Africa in 2013 to 2016. So there are so many questions which we are trying to look at and to seek answers for. Gia thinks the best way to prevent possible sexual transmission is to understand how the Ebola virus hides itself from people's immune systems. Uh, we also may want to know whether Ebola virus has any effect on sperm count. This has a long-term implication. It has a implication in terms of, of fertility, man fertility. It has a, an implication of I mean, women having the ability to bear children. So we want to know exactly during which period of infection in man, um, Ebola viruses tend to leave the bloodstream and hide themselves in 
the reproductive system. And we also want to know how long these Ebola virus that hide themselves in the reproductive system, how long do they stay there? Um, we also want to know how often sexual transmission involving Ebola virus occur. Is it that it is a normal pattern even when somebody has recovered fully, fully of Ebola virus disease, does this person, I mean, can transmit the virus sexually throughout his or her life? So those are some of the key things we want to look at. We are trying to investigate in this, our grant we have been awarded. GS research could be essential to stopping new pathways of transmission after outbreaks have officially ended and provide important information to the programs that support Ebola survivors like Yusuf Kaba. After his recovery, Yusuf created the Sierra Leone Association of Ebola Survivors. The association is also serving as a umbrella, as a home for victims of Ebola. So like our belief is um, life after death. Because to us, when we were admitted, we thought of death. But after we survive, then we look at the life. Then no matter what we've gone through, hope is alive. And we have that hope. We have that thought in our minds. Survivors are going through a whole lot of challenges. Some are suffering from infertility management. They are unable to fertile. So that is affecting their reproductive health. Um, some survivors are suffering from the eyesight. Some have developed EVT, some cataract on the eyes, body pain, uh, some depression. During our early discharge, there was a policy that within the first three months, no survivor should be allowed to have sex with a female. So yeah, that affected our relationships. For me, I'm also an Ebola survivor. It affected me a lot. Like, um, you know, it caused divorce between um, families, survivors, families around the country. So it affected a lot, and it also created some room for stigmatization. When people started stigmatizing some of us as male survivors, that we are infectious, that we can transfer the virus, so it was really terrifying. To combat stigma and social exclusion, sexual health outreach services need up-to-date information about the Ebola virus. Dr. Merawi Arago is the head of the Emergency Preparedness and Response Division at the Africa CDC. So, uh, as any of those sexually transmitted diseases, I think there should be, as uh, with different protocol, including uh, condom provision, counsel, uh, sexual counseling, 
on this uh, on these people, and it 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 means that the virus, you know, there there is a potential, there is a possibility of resurgence of the virus after a long uh, silent period. So uh, I mean, uh, after the outbreak was declared, three months, four months, so say five months after, there may be a resurgence of such such outbreak. So it is one important component that uh, uh, need to be really seriously taken by all parties, including the governments and the local communities, in, including the individuals themselves. I think we need to work with the community and the community uh, engagement and community mobilization was, was one very important thing. This time we do have uh, uh, tools, including therapeutics and vaccines, uh, to to uh, mitigate or uh, control the outbreak, but without community engagement, uh, all this uh, will be really very very difficult. The second part is still back to the community. The the uh, on the infection prevention practices and safe burial practices that we need uh, to work uh, on with with the community. On the other side, as a health facility and as a health system in general, we need to strengthen our surveillance, laboratory capacities for early detection, and and our emergency response workforce for rapid uh, and a, a response. Dr. Mirawi Arago, ending today's report on the sexual transmission of Ebola. For more episodes from Africa Science Focus, go to www.sidev.net or subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. You can get in touch with our team via WhatsApp, text or voice message on plus 254-799-042513. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis. The editor was Fiona Broom with reporting from Charles Pensolo. I'm Sally Amutabi. See you next Wednesday. This program was funded by the European Journalism Centre through the European Development Journalism Grant Program with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.